Welcome to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern, the radio show for entrepreneurs and business owners, leaders, and dreamers. Learn more at newsradioklbj.com and onemanbrandradio.com. Now, here's Ray. This is One Man Brand Radio, News Radio KLBJ, voice of the entrepreneur, and we're here Saturday mornings from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I can tell John Kuntz Waterloo Record, that is not your first time rocking a microphone. <laughs> Welcome to One Man Brand Radio, John. Why, thank you, Ray. Great so, to be here. Going way back with, I think the first time, John, that, that I met you, we'll drill a little deeper, and this was when you guys were out on, on South Lamar there. That was the original location, Correct, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. There wasn't a location before that. This would have been 88 mm-hmm. when we launched KTSB Student Radio, and you guys were super supportive of us. But let's just start at the beginning. Man, it seems like the music business is going through weird changes. Disruption of retail has been a huge thing, right. but mm-hmm. Waterloo Records is like this iconic brand that it seems to be bucking the trends and seems to be stable and just as strong as ever. Is, is that really the case in what's going on? In, well, I mean, you know, definitely yeah. retail overall has been challenged a great deal. And for what we sell is available all over the place, any way you want it, whether it's streaming or downloading. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we sell downloads on our website, just like lots of other retailers do. But, you know, most people only think there's two places they can do that or, you know, Amazon, iTunes, and they're kind of done, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. lots of places where they can stream. But there's a sensibility that is probably more prevalent in places like Austin, Mm -hmm. where there are so many creatives that, you know, this music really means something to me. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know helped me in my life or made my life more fun or, you know, whatever that may be. But there's people out there that really want to show their support to the people that create what it is. Or, and they want something physically that they can hold in their hands. Mm-hmm. And the whole um, vinyl renaissance, yeah. the vinyl resurgence has been something that a bunch of like-minded retailers kind of helped foster a great deal. Well, we shouldn't probably get much deeper in the conversation. We should come back to this early and often. It's record store day. <laughs> That's right. The store will be opening up at 8 o'clock today, yeah. two hours early. And there's be lines outside and people coming in and like 400 indie store exclusive releases. Yeah. Some really, really cool stuff. So, and, you know, that was something that – you know, to a certain extent, a bunch of independent retailers yeah. were forced to come up with something like that. The recession was happening. Target was getting uh, Taylor Swift records that no one else could get. Walmart mm-hmm. was getting Garth Brooks records that no one else could get. And right. I say records, CDs. Mm-hmm. And we weren't necessarily impacted by that a great deal because a lot of our customers weren't interested in those titles. But we knew that our customers were saying, hey, I want more vinyl, I want more vinyl, and we weren't able to get it to them because they weren't manufacturing it. And we said, look, you guys are making all these exclusives for these other people. We'd like you to just make some vinyl of something that you didn't make enough of or that you used to make and you're no longer making. And we'll just put it all together on a day and call it Record Store Day and celebrate the community and culture of record stores. And 10 years later, 
two thirds of my business is in, in music sales is vinyl and only one third is CDs. One Man Brand Radio with John Kuntz, founder of Waterloo Records, our guest this morning here on the show. So I've been in your store a good many record store days for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I meant I was, you know, I was going to bring some of my best finds, but that Flaming Lips box set from a few years back right. was, was really good. Mm-hmm. The Foo Fighters rare cuts that has the picture of the steak on the front is also <laughs> one of my favorite ones that I got that day. But the trick here is that I guess by really speaking to that felt need of your most passionate customers, right? Right. Which, which is vinyl consumers these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Right, right. That, uh, that you, you, you create this sort of tent pole for them and, and just the response, if the line around the block... I mean, the line around the block record store day last year or year before last time I was there was as long as it was for that spoon deal, or it, it seemed right, like right. it, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was was local, local fave spoon playing in your parking lot. We'll right. have to talk about and that too. Spin, and Spoon's got a a record store. Oh, day do they right? have something yeah, coming yeah, up? Uh-huh, yeah, oh, that's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited too. Double Trouble are going to be signing at our store uh, oh, wow. tomorrow at 5 p.m. The uh, live at Carnegie Hall, Steve Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble is finally being released on vinyl for record store day wow and uh you know so no matter where someone buys it we got the record store day crawl going on too and that's that's part of that collaboration Mm -hmm. you know 10 years ago all of the stores in austin got together and said you know this record store day's things happening Mm -hmm. and austin's always been really collaborative and we want to continue that on so so we said you know if you shop in any one store and bring your receipt into any of the other stores participating in the record store day crawl Mm -hmm. you're going to earn a discount at that store Mm -hmm. to get someone to not just go visit one record store on Mm -hmm. that day Mm -hmm. but to maybe hit two or five or all ten of them you know and so here we are 10 years later doing the same thing, and I'm so proud of all of us. So, you know, a, a lot of what I've done has been really more about indie local bands back in the day. But, you exactly. know, the last several years, my thing has been more about helping business owners. But you offer such an interesting convergence of those two, which is your role of leadership in, and really getting it. And a lot of people don't get it, this idea that... The rising tide can bring up more than just your boat, and I and I've always really admired that. Not just about you, but a lot of people. It's an Austin ethic. It is. It really a, is a vibe that that there's something powerful that happens when when the community thrives. You look at Aaron Franklin; he's happy when the other barbecue joints are thriving and succeeding, and uh, on and on and on. And I know that you carry that same ethic, that same value set when it comes to other music retailers. Yeah, you know. I think part of this goes back to a bunch of the baby boomers that landed in Austin in the 60s, 70s, and, uh, you know, just doing the things that we wanted to do. It was about, I'd like to see if I can't make a job for myself that's doing what I want to do, and if I'm having fun, you know, and doing a good job, you know, maybe I'll actually be able to eke out a living doing it. And there's there's so many, you know, wonderful and now called iconic businesses mm-hmm. from those days that, that are around that shared that ethos. It was like, you know, in Houston or Dallas, they're thinking about how do you put the money first and then do all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But we were thinking, how do I put creativity or fun or just community first? And hopefully and maybe the money will follow and you know and maybe it'll be enough to afford rent next month yeah. <laughs> what attracted you to retail though about starting a, a music uh, uh, retail shop how did you how did you get on that path in the first place? um you know it's um 
my wife kids me that, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Houston, uh, whenever there was a big rainstorm, I'd be trudging through the bar ditches with my wagon, picking up crawfish and trying to fill up a whole wagon of them. And I knew where all the, uh, all the Louisiana transplants were in Houston and I'd show up at their front doorstep with a wagon full of uh, crawfish to sell. So she thinks that's where my retailing started. Just but, a natural entrepreneur. But, but, you know, I mean, the reality is uh, music's one of my biggest loves mm-hmm. and I have no musical talent whatsoever. So it was a way that I could share the music I liked with other people and maybe get that record before someone else could and mm-hmm. and get a chance to listen to it by the time it came out. So sure. that was kind of it in a nutshell for me. All right, this is One Man Brand Radio here on KLBJ. We're here every Saturday morning from 6 to 7. Voice of the Entrepreneur. we got John Coons from Waterloo Records here with us all show for the whole show because it's Record Store Day, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and much more about the history of Waterloo Records and its enduring appeal here in Austin. We'll pick up all that next when One Man Brand Radio continues from News Radio KLBJ. You're listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. And we're back. Guest this morning is John Kuntz from Waterloo Records. John, happy Record Store Day. Why, thank you. Is it like Christmas for you, or is it just Um, a whole lot of work? (laughs) Actually, you know, for myself and just about every other independent retailer around the country, and I think there's... 1,700 of us celebrating Record Store Day in the yeah. States today. Nice. No, I take it back. It's 1,400. Yeah. But still, that's, that's pretty amazing. But for the most, all those stores, it's their biggest uh, day sales-wise of the year. A lot of it is there's, you know, the hundreds of indie store exclusive only releases. But there's an awful lot of people that, you know, just were looking to come in and pick up the new release from a month ago or so that, that want to do it on Record Store Day just to show their support for, you know, what's going on at those stores. Now, if you're looking to know what the special releases are for today, if you're driving around in your car this morning early, you know, Waterloo's going to open up in, what, three or four hours, right? But you can go to the website and get the list of all the really mm-hmm. cool stuff that's there. But get in line early this morning because <laughs> if the last few years are any indication, John, Waterloo in particular, perhaps because of its iconic status or just the amount of selection you have, that line gets pretty long pretty quick, right? It does, but I mean, you know, there's... There's people we, in line right now. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's gone global. I mean, you know, this was something that we just, like I said, kind of cooked up out of necessity because we were trying to stem the tide of the message from media 10 years ago was, you know, all record stores are obsolete. They're all closing. Tower's gone. You know, Virgin was soon to follow down the road. You know, it was bleak. And we we knew we weren't obsolete. We knew that, you know, we had a place in our community. I want to talk to you a lot about Austin, because mm-hmm. I love talking about Austin as Same a guy here. who grew up here, Galette Elementary through UT, Georgetown High School. It's it's my town, you know. Right. Well, let's get to all that in a minute. Let's talk about entrepreneurship. Let's talk about business vision. Let's talk about adapting, because really, uh, the, the, as much as you say that there's been a resurgence in the industry, and it's clear when you walk in your store, the truth is that there's a lot of survival of the fittest in the history of retail, and in particular, the history of music retail. There's a lot of pe- players... Whether you talk about those iconic other institutions like Record Exchange, Sound Exchange, mm-hmm, right. uh, ABCDs, Music Man, on and on and on. You know, there's been a lot of record stores, music stores that have come and gone. But Waterloo endures. So speak to the entrepreneurs out there about the importance of innovation and adapting to survive in, in business. 
since the turn of the century, 90% of the record stores that were around then have bit the dust. Mm -hmm. The ones that have survived, I think, are the ones that were flexible and nimble and, and really grounded, connected, part of the glue of their community. And uh, that's kind of where I see Waterloo being. That's where, you know, the other places here in town, End of an Ear, Encore, Breakaway, uh, Antones, you know, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of record stores in this town, and this town is a music town, so it deserves to have a bunch of great record stores. Yep. You know, but I think some of the smartest or most savvy things we ever did was connect up with uh, other like-minded businesses. 21 years ago, we uh, helped found a coalition of independent music stores. And so I've got business associates or partners or whatever you would want to call it that are all over the country, some of the smartest music retailers in the business. And we share our success stories. We share our pitfalls and mistakes. And uh, it's, it's really a great way to have kind of a, a non-competing board of directors that you can share ideas and dreams and all that kind of stuff with. One Man Brand Radio here with John Kuntz from Waterloo Records. It's not uncommon for an independent store like Waterloo Records that was right there on South Lamar, I remember back in the day. Not uncommon for a store like that to partner up with College Radio. But from my point of view, it just felt like there was just this awesome, organic Austin thing that was going on, mm -hmm, yeah, right. you know, and, uh, and and it seems like through the years, whether it's what you guys have done with uh, the KGSR CDs up the hall here, you know, right. K that you guys did with uh, with Jody and them back in the beginning, and you supported me and my KNAC CDs right. when we did those. Connecting with the community has always been an important part, to my eye, of what Waterloo's all about. You tell me. Absolutely. You know, we started with three kind of pillars that that worked really really well for us and still do to this day which is you could come in and listen to anything in the store mm -hmm. and back in 82 when we started that was kind of unheard of pretty in uncommon record, yeah in record stores and yeah. you know 15 20 years later every record store in the country was doing it uh -huh. we said you could bring anything back that you weren't satisfied with as long as it was you know in brand new condition and everyone told us that was going to put us out of business but instead <laughs> that made people flock to us because again uh -huh. back in 82 the only record you could bring back to a record store was one that was warped or skipped or something of that sort right and then you'd get the same record back it's uh -huh. you couldn't come in and say you know hey I wanted the live version, and this is the studio version, but, right. but you could at our store. And, and then the last thing was, you know, filing things just alphabetically A to Z and not breaking them up into categories. Mm -hmm. And uh, then everyone said, I wish I could do that, but I can't. But then the internet came along, and you could actually buy a, you know, Miles Davis recording without saying, it's jazz. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. You, could, you could just type in Davis, uh -huh. and, and then sure. there you are. So uh, the internet kind of backed us up on that one. Our guest is John Kuntz from Waterloo Records. So, John, I launched the show last August, and an early bit, it was just an early, you know, in radio we got bits, right? And right. it was an early bit that we did about the Mount Rushmore of Austin entrepreneurs. So we're going to play a little game here. I'll tell you, you were on it. Right. Let me tell you who wasn't on it, and let's see if you can guess who the other three were. Okay. So probably should have been Michael Dell, but he wasn't part of the bit. 
Lance Armstrong neither, and none of the South by Southwest or Chronicle people oh, are okay. on, on and, and any of those. I mean, that could be the Mount Rushmore right there, mm-hmm. but it was more kind of like a of the moment sort of thing. So, any guesses who the other three iconic entrepreneurs might be? Let's see if you can get it. Eddie Wilson. No, but he would have been good too. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it was Tim League. Uh huh. Right. It was Aaron Franklin. Uh huh. And Amy Simmons. Mm-hmm. So those are good entrepreneurs, right? Right. right yeah. And we got John Koontz, the fourth person on that early joke, and you know, of course, we got some calls on. Oh, but you forgot this guy. What about? Right. That? Right. Yeah. Like they do. Uh-huh. But, but let me ask you. So well, you know, I was, I was just, I guess, being an old guy because I'm the oldest of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to be on Mount yes. Rushmore with them. Hey, man, but, but I was just thinking of people, I guess, older than me. But, yeah. Well, let's talk about know, like that. Matt Martinez or someone like that. You know, I there mean, are, yeah, there I mean, is no shortage of people that you could, could exactly. single out. But let's talk about, to your point, the idea that Waterloo remains relevant to these ensuing generations of music fans. And it's funny, the movie High Fidelity, okay, <laughs> is largely about the quirks and eccentricities mm-hmm. of people that work inside the music. You're thinking of John Cusack, and you got, of course, Jack Black's character. Right. Give me your thoughts on the quirks and eccentricities of these tastemakers that you employ to work in your store. Uh, you know, I am so proud of the staff I've got at my store. Yeah. They, I mean, I've, I always tell them and I tell everyone else they are what makes Waterloo the best record store on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm maybe the figurehead or whatever of the store, but we're open 13 hours a day, seven days a week, sure. uh, 363 days a year, and that doesn't happen with one person. You know, When you look at all the uh, you know, two to three free in-store performances we feature in any given week and 28 in-store performances over four days during South by Southwest and all the signings we do at all the music festivals uh, here in Austin, like ACL Fest. And I want to say, always want to say fun, fun, fun fest. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. (laughs) But, you know, and we're also doing uh, music festivals in New York City and Atlanta in a partnership with uh, Honda Motor Cars. Okay. uh, You know, and, and kind of doing the artist signings and music sales at those festivals as well but that's only because there's an incredible staff and hopefully we don't have anyone like Jack Black at our store <laughs> <laughs> but law of average but you know anyway. when when high fidelity the book first came out mm-hmm. and I was reading it and and my wife caught me laughing or something at uh-huh. a, a part and she goes what is that book and I'm like oh it's nothing it's nothing you don't, <laughs> don't want to read this and I was right. like trying to keep it away from her because it I felt like it divulged too many secrets oh, you know? that's, that's that's so funny john coons from waterloo records is our guest this morning here on one man brand radio so my favorite part of your store circa 2015 16 17 is the is the used vinyl bin because mm-hmm. there's just so many treats you that that uh, you can come in so i'm in the store uh, man this is eight weeks ago or 10 weeks ago, whatever it was. And I'm just there minding my own business. And this sort of impromptu staff meeting pops up with you and a couple of your employees, right? And you're out of the corner of my eye there. And I'm debating whether, so do I break? Because I've got my rhythm. I'm going through the vinyl right. fast, which you got to do in the, and I, do I break here and go say hi to John or just kind of keep on with my business? So I decide they got a little meeting going there. I've got my first order of business here. I'm just going to keep going. But I get to kind of eavesdrop uncomfortably at some point <laughs> on this staff meeting you're having with a couple of your guys. And the, just, I mean, there's nothing incriminating here it's just I, this is about to move and we're going to have some new display space here was the gist of what i heard right but it was interesting eavesdropping on another business owner and how you were dealing with your employees 
Is it strategy? Is it just purely organic of how you interact? Because, like you said, there's so many people that have to come together mm-hmm. and get on message and kind of be unified. If it's 38 different little individual fiefdoms, then right, it's a right. mess, right? Yeah, so right. what's your leadership strategy when it comes to these interesting people? Who well, you know, uh, if you hire bright and creative people, which is what we always try to do, you definitely have them there because you want their smarts and you want their insights. So I've always tried to uh, listen to that and find a way to maybe steer it in the direction that I think we should be going. But yeah, it's it's always been a very organic and collaborative leadership style, I would say. It's One Man Brand Radio. Get John Koontz from Waterloo Records in with us all morning this uh Happy Record Store Day, and if you're just tuning in, all all the record stores across town and and across the country, the independent music retailers have this day, this Saturday in April, where they celebrate the value and uh, the connecting to community, and the record business comes together, the the, the record companies come together, and there's a lot of interesting uh, uh, limited releases that are available, and it's a a good day to get out and support your, your music retailers today here in Austin or wherever you may happen to be if you're traveling today. It's a good day to be supporting uh, stores like Waterloo Records and all the other great stores uh, here in town. So, we're uh, John, we're, we're up against a break, so let's do this. Let's just take a quick break, and we'll come back. And uh, on the other side, we'll sort of pick things up uh, with a little bit of an Austin flair when One Man Brand Radio continues from News Radio KLBJ. You're listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. All right, we're back to wrap things up. One Man Brand Radio here on News Radio KLBJ. It's John Koontz from Waterloo Records is my guest this morning. John, thanks so much for making some time. Absolutely. Water- Great to be here. You know what you didn't answer earlier, though? So Waterloo Records, obviously, is this iconic Austin institution, and today is Record Store Day. Is it more like Christmas, or is it more like, like a crazy day you have to work an 18-hour day? It's an 18-hour day. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, we're closed. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. But but obviously, Christmas and retailers, R- right, you, you right. do a lot of business uh, during the holidays. But let, let's, let me ask you this. So a couple of things I want to get to before we get out of here. I want to get to, which we've, we've hinted at, you know, we uh, through this whole conversation today has been that Austin's a special place and Waterloo thrives because Austin is a special place, but also uh, Austin thrives because there are cool businesses like Waterloo, like right. the Alamo Draft House, like you could go on and on and on that contribute to making it cool. And, you know, one of the things that even going back to like my early days, most people know me from like KNAC and, and from 101X, but, right. you know, my first real gig was covering city council for KUT mm-hmm. and, I, and I did that uh, for eight years from 88 to 94 kind of overlapped the college radio days that was my that was sort of my bread and butter gig you know where where I would go down to City Hall every Thursday and, right and and cover those meetings and when we was, when we were uh, the uh, sponsor for or the underwriter I should say for uh, film music the program film music. absolutely which, uh, when there wasn't 
they weren't in session or absolutely <laughs> they yeah. were taking a break or executive session uh then we were listening to music with larry monroe 100 <laughs> percent. so so larry and i did that dance between city hall and, right. and the studio 300 times i've got some of them on tape it's good fun to go back and listen to those yeah, but, uh, uh you know and, and i i think of the the all night save our springs uh, uh sure. meeting that went till four in the morning and i think the last time we were on the air but several but it's just you know and that's why i brought it up because you guys would sponsor that and it's just there are so many little touch points from through the years where a couple of guys like us looking back through the 80s and 90s and the turn of the century and all of these what are your memories of some of the things that kind of stick out for you in terms of where waterloo has made those meaningful connections that when taken over a long time horizon it's the little instances that ultimately create the fabric i think that holds us together in a lot of ways you know what i mean yeah i do one thing that comes to mind, uh, you and I had this conversation before about the Granola Mafia. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was something that I first became aware of. Well, uh, I, I want to say it was an article in The Statesman by uh, Michael Corcoran. And uh, he was talking about the kind of monstrous success for Nora Jones that that uh, South by Southwest, I think it was 2002. Okay. And her first record had come out mid-February or so. And when I had gotten an advanced copy and listened to it, I was really intrigued knowing that Ravi Shankar was Nora's father. And she was a Texas girl and mm-hmm. had gone through the Arts Magnet School up in Dallas. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I called Jody up afterwards and said, hey, Jody. Jody the, Denberg. Right, right. Then at, at, KGSR. at KGSR. And said, hey, Jody. Jody, uh, this record sounds really great. Have you had a chance to listen to it? And he says, yeah, I've really kind of liking it. And I was like, yeah, and I'm, I'm working on getting her to do an in-store performance here during South by Southwest, and I'd just like to really see if we can't, you know, push this one through. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So to get to those other pillars of the, of the mafia, if you will, mm-hmm. the Chronicle, of course, was doing their bit on all the up-and-coming stars that were going to be there for South by Southwest. And, of course, South by had booked them in. And at the time, Brent Grilke was the guy that was doing all of that. And mm-hmm. I got together with Brent and said, hey, you know, these are the people we're going after, and who else should I be looking at that, that are on your radar? Just kind of doing the usual thing that we right. did. Uh-huh. And then I asked him where he was going to be booking Nora, and he told me, you know, over at the uh, Clay Pit, the Indian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? I mean, that's... What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, it's... Is there even a, a music room there? Because that was the first time I'd ever been in there mm-hmm. to hear music was mm-hmm. for that show. And I uh, said, you know, I think it's going to be a whole lot bigger than that. Because by this time, we'd had a couple of weeks of selling the record. And the Chronicle had written Nora up. And uh-huh. KGSR was playing it a lot. And yeah. we were just seeing an incredible reaction. Anyway, long story short, we ended up having a room capacity crowd for Nora's show. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the CD at that time was at developing artist prices, which I mean, thinks means we were selling it for like seven or eight bucks. Right. And I had a number of people buy at, at her in store buy like 10 copies. And yeah. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. I mean, we, there must have been a couple of dozen people that bought anywhere from five to 10 copies. It was really wonderful. Nora's mom came down from Dallas and her first piano teacher, and just it was a real family affair. But Austin, 
like it has done in so many situations was a an entire city that was that tastemaker if you will i mean you know in in no matter what kind of you know business but particularly in something like the music and the film business that waterloo's involved in those tastemakers really are important people and to have an entire city be a tastemaker was pretty incredible so Corky was just kind of writing about how everything came together yeah. uh, with the Granola Mafia and that story. But long story short, when Nora's record went gold, selling 500,000 copies, by that time, one record store, Waterloo Records, had sold 1% of that. By wow. that time, we had sold 5,000 copies wow. yeah. of, of that first release. So, All right, John. So I'm not letting you off the hook on Granola Mafia quite that easy. Cause you're, so there's a couple of So I've come at it from two different points of view. The mm-hmm. other person that we forget from back in the day was Liberty Lunch, was a big pillar right. of, of the quote-unquote Granola Mafia. Mm-hmm. And that's where I first heard the term was from my guy, Jim Ramsey, because I was more of a metal guy before I was an alt-rock guy. Right. And I worked for Ramsey, and that that's all well-documented by now. But... I'll tell you my experience later on, whether it was at KNAC or, you know, 101X, uh, wherever through the years. The one thing you have to say about the word mafia, if you take <laughs> it literally, implies that it's exclusionary. But you, I always found Waterloo to be very inclusive, whether it was at the back room. When I was at KNAC, you guys were always very, I mean, you obviously had a special relationship with Jody and the guys at KGSR, right. but that never excluded us from getting access oh, no, to your no. store. And mm-hmm. so so to the extent I think that we sometimes think of as mafia as being organized or exclusionary, <laughs> that really is not the vibe, but then against the granola mafia. You guys are all a bunch of peace dicks, right? Right, right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, uh, including Liberty Lunch, Mark Pratt's and I worked together at record stores uh, yeah. back in Highland Mall in the 70s. You know, and hanging out on campus when Lewis Black was doing the film series there and, you know, writing up all the stories about the the director and the film that you were going to see that evening. You're a successful businessman here in Austin. You've done so many good things through the years. What do you say to the young kid fresh out of UT? Whatever their path in life, they want to be their own boss. They want to start their version of Waterloo Records. What's the best advice you give to somebody who wants to uh, to do that deal where they're not working for the next guy anymore, but they start their own thing? Well, I, my advice to them is always go get a job in whatever industry you want to be in and, uh, you know, find out what you like and love about it and find out what you don't like and love about it and see the things that other people are doing right and wrong and just kind of follow your own instincts and gut as far as making those transformations into the kind of vision you've got. And, uh, you know, back in the day, it seemed like I always had a bunch of people that would come up to me and say, hey, let me buy you a burger and fries and I'm going to start a record store and, you know, name your city. Uh I'm not going to be your competitor, but you tell me everything that, that, uh, that I need to do to, to make a successful store like yours. And I would always tell them, you know, I'm sorry, but I, you can't have me for a, a burger and fries. <laughs> uh, uh, Picking I, your brain costs more than that. Got to, I, right? Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> um, I'm 250 an hour as a consultant on that. Uh-huh. But if you show me three months worth of uh, check stubs from a record store that you worked at, I'll buy you the burger and fries and I'll tell you everything you need to know. Nice. And, uh, I never had one person take me up on that. Oh no. 
<laughs> so, I mean, right there, it's yeah. like, how much did they really want to work in a record store right. if they wouldn't go get a job? For, in fact, mm-hmm. one cop told me that he, he was, I'm getting ready to retire and I want to open up a record store in, in you know, some other town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really good with people. And I said, yeah, but you've got a badge on your chest and a gun on your hip and you're going to be in a business where the customer's always right. Uh, (laughs) I I think you need to work in a record store for three months. And he says, but I'm already working, you know, overtime as a cop. And I was like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, pal. I bet my weekly workload eclipses yours by a Mm -hmm. big, (laughs) by a big amount, you know, and granted my life's not on the line, but he never took me up on it. And I I wish he would have, because I think that would have been really cool to go from being a cop to being a record store owner. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, you know, I'll tell you one of the other things that I've learned, and this kind of ties back to what you've done with the AIBA there. It's like you can often learn and you can get inspiration. You can you can learn from other people's mistakes by networking. Sure, it, it's great if people in the industry you want to go and will share their secrets with you if you can if you can find that. But a lot of times if you can just find the parallel industries, other retailers, right, can, right. There, there's such a wealth of information that, that we can learn. I, I've always felt like we've all got things to teach one another and we've all got things to learn from one another. Agree? I do, totally. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about our Aaron Franklin earlier and I know he uh, was out in Taylor back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, learning the ropes out there. Yeah, Louis and, Miller. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I, I got to cut my teeth at a couple of different record stores working for the chains and uh, there's an awful lot that can be picked up by, by doing all that and there's, there's also, you know, I think one of the things I was always concerned about was if if somebody really dove into something without ever having done it. And granted, that that's worked in many a situation. But uh, you know, there's also that whole story of uh, what if the dog actually catches the car? Then <laughs> what do they do? You know, you know the the you know I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, someone all of a sudden has invested everything they've got into a record store or any other entity, mm-hmm. and then they find out this isn't really what I thought it was going to be, you know? So why wouldn't you want to, you know, just stick your toe in the water in some form or fashion? I don't know. For sure. Do a little, do a little test drive for sure. Exactly. Right. Right. We're just about out of time, John. It's record store day. I thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your insight and all those great stories from from through the years at uh, Waterloo Records. And now you get to go marshal and police the 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 line at Waterloo Records. Yeah, I'm could, sure it's already getting unwieldy. It's yeah, almost seven o'clock. Yeah, we're gonna have a uh, hot coffee and pastries <laughs> for everybody that's been. Uh, Are you really doing that this morning? Uh, absolutely. We've oh, done that's that for, great. We've done that for years. Oh, yeah. that's great. So mm-hmm. it's it's record store day. Waterloo Records, as well as all of the music retailers around town, have uh, great uh, limited edition collectors items, and it's just it's the spirit and the environment of being there with other like minded music fans. I hope you'll get out at Waterloo and all the stores around town and support Record Store Day here today. John, thanks for being with us this morning on One Man Brand Radio. Thank you, Ray. Great to be here. Uh, absolutely. And, and thanks so much to my producers. Uh, definitely want to thank Paul Kriegler and Monica Ballard and Deanna Vaughn and sweet Jack Anderson. They work behind the scenes to help bring you the show every week. I'm Ray Sagern. Thanks so much for being here. And we'll catch you back here next Saturday morning for another edition of One Man Brand Radio from News Radio KLBJ. Don't stop, listen to the-
listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. It's One Man Brand Radio here on KLBJ. Bring Saturday morning, 6 to 7, with John Kuntz this morning, our guest from Waterloo Records, celebrating Record Store Day today. It's a good day to get out and support your local music retailers. And, John, we talk about local retailers. You, you were talking about when you were reading the Nick Hornby book that they did uh, uh, the High Fidelity movie on. Got me thinking about the bookstore across the street. Just, mm-hmm. just what an amazing, you know, if you talk about book people's an iconic Austin business. Sure. Uh, obviously, Whole Foods and its Austin roots. And you guys, refresh my memory. I know that there's something here. I don't remember the specifics, though. But you and book people did some sort of uh, economic impact analysis thing yeah, several well, years ago was, and it was, was kind of a big deal at the time it was it was a real big deal it was back the country was still you know in shock from 9-11 and it was the you know the early part of this century mm-hmm. there was going to be a development going in across the street from uh our building is now being risen there that's going to be whole food additional offices but it was the block behind what is now whole foods or the block east of what's there it was going to be a urban big box center and the first tenant that the developer had signed up was uh, Borders Books and Music. And the city was offering a bunch of incentives to the developer to do this urban central big box center so that they'd be getting the sales tax as opposed to the developer putting the center just across the city line. Right. And then they wouldn't get the sales tax. But, you know, book people and I were like, hey, look, we've been competing with Borders Books and Music stores for, you know, a decade or more. Mm-hmm. And we're fine doing that, but we want a level playing field. We don't want you incentivizing Borders to go in across the street from Waterloo Records and book people. That's that's crazy. And uh, at the time, both book people and Waterloo being kind of on the cutting edge of uh, this new thing called email, we had a bunch of e- <laughs> we, we had a bunch of email addresses, and probably more than most businesses at that time. Yeah. And uh, we you know sent everybody on our email list the email addresses of everyone on city council and the mayor, and said, hey, if you think that this is not the way the city should be operating, why don't you tell them? And city council saw the biggest deluge of email they'd ever seen in their life. And then a good friend of mine, Robin Rather, was involved with a group called Livable City, and they came to us and said, hey, we want to help. This isn't a livable city when when this kind of stuff is happening. And we got involved with a uh, group called Civic Economics that did a study. Book people and I turned over our books to them, and they were able to get the books of Borders being a publicly traded company. Mm. And they did this economic study that had never been done before about the differences between shopping local and buying from a chain. And they had a a basket that they went and shopped at for books and music at my store and at the border store and book people and uh, it ended up being that borders didn't have everything on the shopping list and book people and Waterloo did and what we did have was cheaper than at borders and right. and but the really telling thing that came out of the whole deal was that if you shopped at spent a hundred dollars at a border store would stay in the local community. Mm -hmm. But if you spent $100 at Waterloo Records or Book People, $45 stayed in the local community. Hey, now. And 
that was an eye opener to everybody, no matter what business they were in, what uh -huh. city they were in. Uh -huh. Since that time, this study's been done in a bunch of different cities across a bunch of different retail uh, types of stores, and it always comes back three and a half times more money stays in the local community by shopping local than by shopping at a chain entity. And uh, that's an incredibly powerful message. And that's one of the things that's unique about a place like Austin, that because we are unique, someone, you know, comes here and they want to get a burger at P. Terry's. They aren't looking for where's the nearest McDonald's, right. you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, same's true with going to a place like Book People or Waterloo. Or, but, I mean, you could... It goes on and on and on. You're going to go to Amy's, one of the right. <laughs> Mount Rushmore people. You're sure. not going to say, where's the Baskin and Robbins? Absolutely. That's that story. And uh, I'm so proud to have been part of that first study. And yeah. uh, it just kind of fits in with the, the whole ethos of, of where I'm at, where yeah. Waterloo Records is at, and where I think this community's at. Along those lines, just a couple of days ago, the... Austin Independent Business Alliance celebrated an anniversary. I know you were an important figure in, in getting that going back in the day. What yes, was that like? Yes, um, Steve Burke, who of Book People, was in Boulder around this same time. And uh, I think they, Boulder, actually had the first uh, independent business association. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came back and said, hey, you know, there's something to this, and I think we need to have that in Austin. And I, <laughs> I said, that sounds great, Steve. I'll be there right with you. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you grab this one by the horns and yeah. run with it. And uh, to his credit, he did. And, yeah, we just celebrated uh, 15 years a couple of nights ago with a bunch of those businesses that uh, were part of us from the very, very get-go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's that whole buy local thing is there's not a community, probably a cool community, mm -hmm. anywhere in the country that doesn't have have a buy local or an independent business association these days mm -hmm. but um, you know Austin wasn't first but uh, kind of like Apple coming into something a little bit later on whether it's an mp3 player or a phone or whatever we did it better than anybody else I think and Rebecca Melanson our, our executive director deserves a bunch of the credit for that We'll take a quick break, get back here and wrap things up with John Kuntz from Waterloo Records, my guest this morning here on One Man Brand Radio from News Radio KLBJ. Yeah. 